Welcome to Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee, a podcast brought to you by the Tennessee Initiative for Perinatal Quality Care. TIPQC exists to improve health outcomes for mothers and infants in Tennessee through our quality collaborative that will identify opportunities to optimize maternal and infant outcomes across our state and is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. The Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee podcast is designed for medical professionals and for patients and families across the state. We will focus on all aspects of the perinatal period with special attention to reducing our maternal mortality rate. This podcast is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance for Innovation on Maternal Health. Welcome back to this week's episode of Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee. I'm your host, Amanda Nally. Registration for our 2021 annual meeting is now open through the end of February, but seats are filling fast. Don't delay as space is limited in our new virtual format. Head over to www.tipqc, that's T-I-P-Q-C.org, to make sure you're with us online March 2nd through 4th. Bonnie Miller, the TIPQC Maternal Quality Improvement Specialist, joins us today with our guest, Ann Santa Donato. Anne is the Director of Special Programs and Projects at the Association of Women's Health, Obstetric, and Neonatal Nurses, or AWAN. This episode, we discuss post-birth warning signs and the education opportunities that AWAN provides. Let's get right to it. Hello and welcome. Thank you so much, Anne Santa Donato, for coming today and talking to us about post-birth warning signs. Let's go ahead and get started. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about how long you've been working in this industry? Thank you very much, Bonnie, and it's a pleasure to be here with you today. So a little bit about me. Um, (laughs) I have been with AWAN, the Association of Women's Health, Obstetric and Neonatal Nurses, for 22 years. And before that, I was in clinical practice in hospitals in the Washington, D.C. area in the roles of staff nurse, educator, director and administrator. So um, I've had a very, very rich and varied career, but predominantly focused on um, obstetric nursing, high-risk OB nursing, and nursing education. So my time before coming to AWAN, I think, really kind of geared me up to the ultimate job that I have now, which is working for our national nursing specialty organization. So I'm very um, proud to be representing our our association on this podcast today. Thank you. Can you tell us about your title at A1 and your role? Sure, I'd be happy to. My current title at A1 is the Director of Special Programs and Projects. And in that capacity, I have had oversight of A1's post-birth warning signs program for a number of years now. Um, And in 2019, we began a project through the support of Merck for Mothers to evaluate the effectiveness of our post-birth warning signs program in up to 100 hospitals around the country. So that is one of my primary areas of focus right now. In addition to that, I am also the A1 staff nurse leader for the work we are currently doing with ACOG and the other stakeholder organizations on the AIM program. And in that capacity, I work with our A1 nurse member leaders for each of the states that are enrolled. And I also serve on the executive committee on behalf of A1 for that work. Thank you. Um, You've spoke about A1 several times. Can you give us a little background into what what is A1? What do they do? What do they promote? 
Sure. Um, so uh, the Association of Women's Health Obstetric and Neonatal Nurses is where the acronym comes from. And um, it is a nursing specialty organization and a membership association designed to support the needs of nurses who are working in obstetric neonatal, and women's health nursing. We are the standard-bearing organization for those three specialties. And in that capacity, we have responsibility to um, promulgate and disseminate evidence-based clinical practice guidelines, the overarching standards on which our specialty profession is based, and a whole host of educational programs and support services that are designed to really promote excellence in nursing practice within the specialties so that our nurses have the ability to um, provide the best possible care for the women and families um, that we serve. So when you were talking about post-birth warning signs, um, what is that, Graham? What does it consist of? So the post-birth warning signs program um, was developed in recognition of the growing maternal mortality crisis in this country. Um, as many of you are probably already aware, um, 700 women, unfortunately, and tragically die during their childbirth experience in this country and per year. And that's completely unacceptable in a country that is purported to be one of the A, wealthiest and B, most technologically advanced countries in the world. We recognized the growing impact of maternal mortality. And in addition to that, we started looking at the statistics that showed that the vast majority of maternal deaths that occur as a result of pregnancy complications occur during the postpartum period. And we are defining the postpartum period as you know day one after the baby is born through the first year of life. So more than 60% of the deaths occur during that time period. That's a travesty. And um, overall, more than 60% of the total deaths that occur each year have been identified as being preventable. And so in our attempt to learn more about why women are dying during the postpartum period, we set out to do a pilot project in 2015, where we engaged with hospitals in New Jersey and Georgia to seek new knowledge to really kind of dig in and find out what was currently being done about postpartum education in general and whether nurses in these facilities were addressing the issue of complications for all women. We got varied responses. Um, you know, in some instances, nurses were not quite aware of how significant the maternal mortality crisis had become. In other cases, uh, nurses were doing discharge teaching and education, but focused more on the baby than the mother. We retrieved this information through in-person focus groups with um, the nurses in the um, hospitals in the two states. And another outcome of the original pilot project was that there were inconsistencies in how much education was being given about the possibility of uh, postpartum complications. So in some instances, nurses were really not addressing complications when mom had a perfectly normal pregnancy uh, outcome. So mom was fine during you know, pregnancy, labor, birth, no complications, um, focus on the baby, focus on breastfeeding and the usual normal postpartum assessments, but not necessarily on complications. 
when moms had complications, certainly there was a lot of emphasis before the mom went home on making sure that that mother and or the family members were uh, very much aware of, of what to look for when they went home. But we found the gap. And the gap was that there was no real standardized education being given to all mothers before hospital discharge. So that's how our post-birth warning signs program was born. Was it came out of that pilot project. We identified the need to have standardized education targeted twofold, to nurses first and foremost, to give them the knowledge and the tools that they need to be able to do this type of education for um, mothers and their significant others, ideally, before they go home from the hospital. And secondly, to ensure that mothers, all mothers, regardless of risk, have the education they need and feel empowered to be able to say, I am having X symptoms and I need to get myself into care. One of the highlights of the program is that we differentiate signs and symptoms that require an immediate 911 call from those that require immediate contact with a provider, but not necessarily 911. Real strong point of emphasis in the program is to ensure that mothers feel confident that if they just don't feel right, that that's the time to call the healthcare provider. Um, you know, it's very, very important. We can give all kinds of advice about many of the risk factors, which I'll just list in a moment. But I think it's really important for all mothers to know that if they just don't feel right, that they need to listen to their bodies and, and, and really feel more comfortable accessing healthcare because so much of what may start as the normal signs and symptoms during postpartum may very well be signs of complications. And so it's difficult sometimes for moms or their partners to sort through all that. And so that's another goal of our program is to help to give them the knowledge they need to say, I'm having shortness of breath. So this could be something really serious and I need to call 911. I can't breathe, right? So, um, and just as an aside, it's especially important during this time of COVID because we also know that many of the signs and symptoms related to pregnancy and postpartum complications are also signs that overlap with signs and symptoms of COVID-19. So we've been able to really reinforce that information during this very, very critical time in our country. So the pilot project is what led to the current grant that we're working on, where we're disseminating it at many more hospitals in the United States and doing an evaluation process. So um, we're really excited about that. We'll see results of that toward the end of this year, early 2022. And in the meantime, we're also making the program available to hospitals around the country who are not participating. We have a number of states that are state, statewide fully engaged projects to do this implementation. And we, um, you know, we hope that this is the beginning of more to come in terms of you know, really getting at whether we are being effective in um, helping to reduce morbidity. We are you know, also dipping into, um, because of the need that we've seen, we are also getting a lot of interest from facilities and um, community centers around the country to be able to provide this education after the fact when patients go home from the hospital to reinforce the teaching they had in the hospital. Um, and so we're working with facilities around the country to um, make that possible for them.
That's really fantastic work. What are the warning signs that our mothers should be aware of? You know, the ones that they would need to report to their provider or for them to understand that they need to get help as soon as possible. So Bonnie, thanks for asking that question. We have an acronym that is part of the parent education that um, we are very fastidious about ensuring that nurses who engage in our post-birth warning signs education are very well aware of so that they then can teach moms and their partners about the post-birth warning signs before they leave the hospital or, as I mentioned earlier, as reinforcement of that kind of teaching when they come in for their postpartum visits. So I'm just going to briefly go through the signs in the acronym. The acronym is post-birth and the first four letters, P-O-S-T, signify signs that more than likely require a call to 911 or getting to the nearest emergency room as quickly as possible. I'm making that distinction because in very rural areas of the country, it may be more efficient to get your partner or a friend to get you into a car to take you to an emergency service rather than waiting until 911. Because in the most rural areas of this country, as many of you are probably aware, um, getting 911 to come to very remote locations is not always the best option. So I just wanted to put that out there. Ideally, call 911, an ambulance will come and get you to the hospital because in an urban area, you do not want to be stuck in rush hour when you're having a life-threatening emergency. Okay, so let's go through the P-O-S-T. So post, uh, the P refers to pain in the chest. So could be a sign of impending cardiac event, could be a sign of a blood clot, um, a pulmonary embolus. And so those are very, very significant issues that require immediate attention. Um, The next, the O, stands for obstructed breathing or shortness of breath or feeling like you just can't catch your breath and you just can't breathe. So that's also um, a very significant problem that requires immediate attention by calling 911. Seizures or convulsions. Seizures or convulsions can be associated with very severe preeclampsia. And preeclampsia is a hypertensive disorder of pregnancy that um, that also requires immediate attention because, as people probably know, one of the most significant things that happens as a result of a seizure is airway obstruction or closure of the airway. So that's another immediate emergency. And then we added thoughts of hurting yourself or someone else. We know that many women experience the blues after they've given birth because of the many hormonal changes that are taking place. But we are also very much aware that postpartum depression is a significant contributor to maternal morbidity and mortality in the United States. And so we decided to add that line to ensure that if a mom is really, really struggling where she just can't cope and feeling as though she's losing control that's the time to call 911 or even to call a suicide prevention hotline. Then for the birth part of the post-birth acronym, we talk about bleeding or soaking through more than a pad an hour where you see maybe see dark blood clots and that sort of thing that are about the size of an egg or a bit, bit larger. I is for an incision. So if a mom has either an episiotomy or a cesarean birth scar, if that incision is not healing or it's giving off a foul odor, that sort of thing, that's time to call the provider. 
Um, the R in birth refers to a red or swollen leg um, that is painful to touch or that is getting hot. So if you look at your two legs and one leg is swelling up and getting red and really tender to touch, then that's a warning sign of a possible blood clot in your leg or a deep vein thrombosis. Then T is for temperature. A temperature greater than 100.4 degrees may very well be an indicator of infection. And so, so you know, the I and the R and the T kind of go together because all of those can result in a fever. And the H is a headache that just won't quit, headache that won't go away, doesn't get better even after taking like Tylenol or Advil. A really bad headache with vision changes could be indicative of a worsening hypertensive disorder like preeclampsia. So that's the acronym. And then a really critical factor, I think I mentioned this earlier, is for you know the mom and the partner to trust their instincts. Again, if you don't feel well and something just doesn't feel right, that's the time to call your provider, whether it's a physician, a midwife, whomever. And the second thing is that when you go into, if you have to go back to the hospital, to the emergency room, or if you have to, you know, talk to a non-OB clinician, like an, like I said, an ER doc or somebody in an urgent care center, the really important message is that you walk into that center and tell, and we are, you know, we emphasize this with our nurses too, other providers, is to make sure that the mom tells the healthcare provider that I've been, been pregnant within a year or that I just had a baby two weeks ago to make sure that they start connecting the dots, right? Because you want them to know that I'm coming to you and I have, you know, spots in front of my eyes. And that doesn't mean I'm having a stroke because I'm having a medical issue, but it may mean that I'm having I'm about to have a seizure because I have severe preeclampsia. There's a difference. So um, so that's the acronym. What are the steps for our nursing staff to be educated? Is there online courses? Is it in person? Um, how do they go about getting this education? Key element of the program is our online education course that goes through, you know, actually goes through some of what I'm telling you now, but then really expands on it. And we just released an updated version of our online program that also includes really critical information about the impact of bias, racism, and disrespectful care on maternal health outcomes. So that's a a key new component of our course that was just released early in January. Um, And so, um, you know, with the online education course, nurses are able to receive that education, but also receive tools. So in addition to the the components of the handout that we give to moms, which is primarily that acronym that I just described to you all, the other piece of the, you know, the the tools that we provide um, is a teaching guide for nurses. So in order to standardize the education, we want to ensure that by and large, nurses are teaching the same content. The composition of that teaching guide really focuses on the chief causes of maternal morbidity and mortality, the risk factors. So that's where the post-birth warning signs acronym comes from. We are looking at the primary causes of maternal death in the United States as being cardiovascular disease, non-cardiovascular disease or chronic medical conditions, hemorrhage, hypertension, 
venous thromboembolism, pulmonary embolus, infection, and then despite the fact that perinatal depression has not yet come to the CDC uh, grouping of the primary causes of maternal mortality, I just recently, you know, just explained to you why it's so important for us to be asking questions about mental health. So this this program is a really good program to to do in conjunction with what other maternal mental health initiatives you know you all may be working on or involved in. Sounds like a really great program. Can you tell us of any A1 success stories from this education that relates to the post-birth warning signs? There's one example that we have. It's actually posted on our website um, of a mom who um, was part of the pilot project. So she received the post-birth warning signs education before she went home from the hospital. Went home from the hospital, had done very well, no outward risk factors, nice normal pregnancy, got home, and she first developed mastitis. So she had been treated for mastitis. And then a few days after her treatment began, she started having what she called palpitations and it got worse. And her, you know, she was having trouble catching her breath is the way she described it. And she, she was, you know, her mom was close by and, you know, her mom said, oh no, you know, you're probably just really fatigued. Don't worry about it. In reality, she went back to her mom and she said, look, you know, she had a copy at the time. We didn't have magnets. We have magnets now. But at the time she had a hard copy of the handout and she said, no, mom, you know, it says, you know, this symptom, this symptom, this symptom. I think we have to go to the hospital. And so she did with the form in hand and she got into the emergency room and she had a pulmonary embolus. However, she got there in time. And they were able to treat her embolus and she was able to go home from the hospital healthy. So she and her her mom and her baby very, very well together. So that's one really, I think, compelling story to tell. Um, and hopefully as a result of our grant project, we um, and the, you know, the much more widespread dissemination of this program we have, we'll be able to tell more and more of those stories. It sounds just like you are empowering our moms to have their voice when they go home to not just think, oh, this is all in my head or that um, it should go away, that they should really um, follow up on any kind of signs and symptoms that are concerning. And I thank you for that. You're absolutely right, Bonnie. But I think a very important point here is that it is not the patient's responsibility to save her own life, right? Correct, correct. It is, you know, so the emphasis on nursing education is critical because we want the moms to feel empowered. We want families to feel empowered to access the healthcare system and to be able to advocate for themselves. But we also feel very strongly that it's not mom's job to save her life. So it's really important that nurses receive this education, understand the significance of these complications, understand what can happen during the postpartum period, and are prepared to act, whether it's in the hospital or in the community setting, in the prenatal setting. Um, we want to help nurses have the knowledge and the knowledge they need to be able to recognize these signs, differentiate them from normal postpartum signs and symptoms to, you know, and to sort through all of that 
and to be able to act promptly, immediately, depending on the nature or the severity of the signs that the mom is presenting with. Oh, yes, definitely. And I really do appreciate how you've included women of color and working on disparities because a lot of women of color will say, I I explained this is how I was feeling, but I was told, oh, I could probably tolerate it. Or, and for us to um, work on our nursing staff and our providers on their unconscious bias and for our providers to understand that can't look all women in one little bucket and not listen to someone's story. So that I really do appreciate that you're providing that for our nursing staff because it is needed. Thank you so much for that. Well, and thank you for that. Um, the other thing that I would like to mention that is part of our grant, but not necessarily part of our post-birth warning signs program, is that on Monday, February 1st, A1 will release um, a video entitled Knowledge to Action, Care Equity for Black Moms. And so you're hearing it first, (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, but we will send information out to our entire A1 membership and the video will be available via A1's new birth equity website that will also launch on Monday, February 1st. The website address is a1.org forward slash birth equity. It will also include a variety of other relevant A1 resources. So we're putting literally putting the finishing touches on it as we speak. Um, and that video is really focused on, um, you know, some of the information that I transmitted to all of you today, but really digging in more to the stories of the women themselves who um, experienced racism and bias and disrespectful care during their birthing experience. We have a mom and one of our own A1 members who was also a mom who um, had this experience. So she will wear two hats and one of our A1 nurses who discusses his perspective about bias and racism and what nurses have to do to help mitigate that. It's a short video, but I think it's going to be really compelling. So that'll be available, um, like I said, after February 1st in conjunction with Black History Month. You've mentioned the Merck grant several times. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Merck grant? Sure, Bonnie. I'd be happy to talk a little bit more about the Merck grant. As I mentioned earlier, the uh, initial pilot project and the current project that we're working on, including the video that I also mentioned, is supported through a grant from Merck and through their Merck for Mothers program, which is a multi-year, multi-million dollar program designed to help ensure that no woman dies giving childbirth. So um, they have been very generous in their support to this program for us in helping us really expand the body of knowledge that we have about post-birth warning signs and also to allow us to engage in an evaluation of the um, effectiveness of our post-birth warning signs education program on a larger scale. So we're very grateful to them for their support. Oh, good. And this sounds like a really great program. How do facilities able to get this education out to their nurses? How do they purchase this? So there's there's two ways to do it. Um, the online education by itself is available via A1's website and the um, A1 le- Learning Management System. So if you go to um, learning at a1.org, you can access it that way. And if you don't see it immediately available, you can do the search term post hyphen birth 
in the learning management system and it'll take you to that course. We also have a toolkit that accompanies that. So that requires purchase of more than 10 seats in a facility, but that's available, has the tools that I mentioned to you, and then more in terms of you know an audit tool that's already prepared, a copy of a, a potential timeline if you're doing a big implementation project, and a number of other resources. So that if you are not an individual seeking this education, the um, online education has 1.0 contact hours for nurses. And the, um, but if you are a facility that's interested in doing an education project or a QI project for your entire staff of nurses who work with moms and babies, mother baby nurses or labor and delivery nurses, depending on how your, um, your model is configured, then we have a member of our staff who's responsible for institutional sales. Her name is Mitty Songer, S-O-N-G-E-R, and um, she can be reached at M-S-O-N-G-E-R at A1.org. And I'll have that up on my slide when I do the presentation in March. Oh, thank you. So yes, you are. In March, you will be at our annual meeting. So we really appreciate it this information ahead of time and when it comes time to that. So Anne Santa Donato, thank you so much for joining us today and talking about postpartum warning signs and we the education that is so needed um, by our nursing staff in order to help our patient. Thank you. Well, it's my pleasure and um, I'll look forward to seeing some of you in March at the annual meeting. So I really appreciate the invitation and the um, opportunity to talk with you about a very, very important maternal care issue. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee presented by TIPQC. TIPQC is funded under a grant contract with the state of Tennessee. Healthy Mom, Healthy Baby Tennessee is brought to you through a cooperative agreement with the Alliance for Innovation on Maternal Health. Do you have ideas for a future guest or topic or even have a question you would like answered on upcoming episodes? Visit www.tipqc.org, that's T-I-P-Q-C.org, and click on podcast to submit suggestions and questions to our podcast team. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast to be the first to know when new episodes are available and find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube to stay in the loop with our active projects and other relevant news relating to perinatal health in Tennessee.